Well, good morning. It's my pleasure to be with you this morning and to, to share uh, from the Word of God. My name is Jared, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just excited about uh, jumping into God's uh, Word with you this morning. And if you were with us last week, um, we did a, a bit more setup last week, but I want to um, make sure we're all on the same page right now as we're kicking off 2021. One of the things that's been going on just behind the scenes at our church is our uh, our leadership has been working together diligently to, to seek the Lord and uh, to be uh, strategic with um, what God has gifted the body with here and the call he has placed specifically on this church in Arlington, Texas in 2021. And so what has come out of that is a, a five-year strategic plan where we are looking at all the different things God is doing and we want to maximize those things and uh, just steward that well. And so part of that is, is planning, is um, helping all of us get on the same page and saying yes to the things God is calling us to specifically. So talked a bit uh, more extensively about that last week, um, but I want you to know uh, that's what's happening this morning, and so as part of that process, you know, we kind of um, um, evaluated our, our church mission statement. And like I said last week, uh, the church has had the same mission throughout the centuries that God um, um, articulated through Jesus said the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, which is like it. And then the last thing Jesus gave his followers, what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, was that message, that redemption we can receive through Jesus Christ, that we're supposed to take it into all of the world and to make disciples. And so that's what the church has been about for centuries and what we want to be about. We want to be about loving God, loving people, and reaching the world with the message of Jesus. And so because at different times, though, you know, we can get kind of um, uh, inoculated to uh, the, the gravity of those words, we want to be also specific in how we articulate it as a body here. And so how, how we've come around that message that we see in Scripture and kind of the particular flavor we feel God calling us to and what we want to emphasize through our body, it, we articulate it this week at Parks, this way, at Park Springs, our mission is discovering life in the power of God's grace and sharing His life-changing grace with others. And so um, that first half of that mission statement has been a part of how uh, we've articulated uh, the mission here for quite a while, but as part of this review process, we added on that second line of sharing his life-changing grace with others because we just wanted to make sure that uh, we weren't just uh, looking into things um, for our own benefit, but there is a, a, um, a natural movement that should occur, and that's what we're going to be talking about today when we have experienced the life-changing grace of God. And so that is our mission as a church, how we feel God has led us to um, pursue that. And so uh, as also part of this planning process, you know, that's kind of the big picture, the what we're pursuing. Uh, but there's a lot of questions as to how. And so the mission of the church has not changed uh, since Jesus put it into motion. But the methods do change because um, seasons of the world change. And sometimes one method might have worked during one century and um, in a Another century, that method's not going to work. And so we want to ask ourselves, how is God calling us 
um, to further that message. And so just as an example, um, you know, uh, prior to 2020, we were not a church that live streamed. And so uh, just as you can see, there's different seasons and different things that get thrown at us. And so the mission has not changed, but sometimes our methods change. And so we need to ask ourselves, like, how is God calling us to accomplish that mission today as the church family here in Arlington, Texas? And so what we've come around is um, five points of vision. And so we started that last week, and we're going to continue with that this morning. And so how we are going to accomplish uh, that mission, where our heart is beating together, and where we want to plant our flag or these five points of vision. Um, And like I said last week, these aren't um, ordered in priority. We're going to come around all five of them. We want to be joining together in worship, reaching out on mission, pursuing diversity, growing in emotional and relational health, and participating in spiritual formation. So each of these weeks of our Heartbeat series, we're going to take a different one of those statements and unpack a bit more specifically what we mean by those different things. So last time, last week, we talked about joining together in worship, how we want to be worshiping together as a church body and joining the universe in the proclamation of God's goodness. Uh, And so this morning, kind of going down uh, the line, we're going to be talking about what we mean when we say reaching out on mission. And so um, you've probably all heard of it at some point, but there's this body of water in Israel uh, affectionately called the Dead Sea. Um, I'm curious, who, has anybody been in the Dead Sea? I have not. I'm just, yeah, I figured our Israel trip people have been there at some point. So it's not too far from Jerusalem. And so it's been a, a significant geographical feature um, since biblical times. It's referenced in the Bible. Everybody's known about it. And so what is significant about the Dead Sea is that the salt content of the sea is so incredibly high um, that no other life can exist in it. And so, you know, why people like to go to it, um, you know, historically it's been known for giving health benefits, but usually the novelty is um, everybody just floats on top of it. And so you can find all sorts of pictures because like in normal water you would sink, but the salt content is so high in the Dead Sea that you just float on the top. So it's kind of this um, uh, interesting uh, biological spot uh, that people have studied and looked at for years. Uh, It's an incredibly deep sea. In in some spots, they're still trying to figure out how to get down to the bottom because as you go deeper, the salt content continues to concentrate until there's just salt all on the bottom of the sea. But one of the things about it, if you kind of look into what's happening at the, at the Dead Sea, is that that salt content is so high that there's literally, like, no life in it. Like, there, there aren't fish, there isn't seaweed, there aren't plants, because that level of salt just kills everything. And so uh, another interesting fact about the Dead Sea is one of the reasons that the, the level of salt stays so high, so um, it's between, like, five and nine times more salty than the ocean— and so um, the, the rocks in that area emit this salt, but one of the key features as to why the Dead Sea is so salty and continues to remain dead is that uh, although the Jordan River um, pumps water into the Dead Sea, it does receive water from this outside source, uh, the Dead Sea has no water exiting the sea. 
And so water comes in, but then nothing ever goes out. And so at times, you know, there's fresh water coming in from the Jordan River. And even in certain seasons when they get rain, there is fresh life-giving water that comes into the sea. But because the salt content is so high and nothing is moving out of the sea, that that, uh, that fresh water stays at the top and eventually just evaporates, never having a lasting change on the Dead Sea, never moving that salt content out and continually For centuries now, nothing has grown and no life has come out of the Dead Sea. And unfortunately, I think that could be an analogy for a lot of churches. A lot of churches have incredible depth of knowledge. They go very, very, very deep. But they're so salty and nothing ever exits from them that no life ever happens. And so this morning, what we want to talk about, why this is one of our points of vision, is reaching out in mission, because that is not what we see in the Word of God of what He has called His people to. We want to be a life-giving people that recognize we've been blessed to be a blessing, and we want to continue the mission that God gave to His church, going out into a world that does not know that there is a Creator God that loved them so much that he took on human flesh and lived a perfect life and took our sin upon himself and died on the cross that we might receive forgiveness in the fullness of a relationship with him. We don't want that message to end with us. We want to be a river, not a dam. We don't want to hoard in the knowledge and the experiences God has granted us um, to partake in. We want to be reaching out on mission for the sake of the world and also for the sake of our own hearts because that is one of the ways God has made us along as being a worshiper. We have been called uh, to participate in a grand and glorious mission of God's story of redemption throughout the whole world. And so that's why we added that second line to our mission statement. We're discovering life in the power of God's grace. We're experiencing it for ourselves. We're not just hearing about it, but we're walking into it. And then we are also sharing that life-changing grace with others. Because as, as I look at the scriptures, and also as I've experienced it in my own life, I'll just say it like this. Grace received should always become grace extended. Let me say that again. Grace received should always become grace extended. And so this morning, I mean, there's so many different parts of the Bible we could have gone to, but we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and that's where we're going to spend uh, our time this morning as we talk about what it means to be reaching out on mission. So we're going to go down uh, towards the bottom. We're going to pick up in verse 11 of chapter 5 and go uh, through the end of the chapter. This is Paul's instruction to a church, and so it should be applicable to us as well as the church here in Arlington. As Park Springs Bible Church, we want to ask ourselves what God is asking of us today. This is what it says. Therefore, knowing fear of the Lord... We persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, Therefore, all have died. 
And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God and all God's people said. Awesome. So we're going to pick out a couple of things um, in uh, that passage of Scripture that I I just see as being so crucial for us this morning. Uh, One of the first things I want to point out, if you are an underliner, I would just invite you in verse 11 where it says, we persuade others to underline that. And then again in verse 20 where it says, we implore you. I would invite you to underline that. I think those are two uh, key phrases uh, for us this morning uh, that draw um, um, a, a pretty important message for us. Um, If you've heard of it, there's this Christian research group called Barna. I find their studies very interesting, and so they are Christians, but it's, um, um, a, a, I would say, a high level of academic research, so they do a lot of surveying and uh, statistical analysis of people's responses. So um, for me, I, I like that kind of information. I like getting these big pictures of um, kind of how uh, the country is doing as far as their uh, view of God, their view of the Bible. Um, so if you ever are, you know, have a, a dull moment at work, just put in Barna and look at their most recent research. I I find it really fascinating. Um, a couple of years ago, in 2018 and 2019, they did two different studies on evangelism. One was uh, Christians responding to their own views of evangelism, and then another one was also um, um, people who do not identify as Christians, how do they interact with the idea of Christians telling them about God. And so one of the interesting um, uh, tidbits that I thought came out of um, Christians' personal views of evangelism is that there is this growing trend in Christians, and it's um, more predominant in younger people around my age, but um, as, as the generations get younger, uh, the percentage of people who think it is wrong to share their faith, hoping that somebody else would change their opinion, they, uh, more and more people think that it's wrong or inconsiderate or rude to um, try to convince someone else to change their views and become a Christian. And I think that's a, 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 an unfortunate place for us as the church, because that's why I wanted you to highlight those two things, because there's something going on right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, where Paul is encouraging the church, saying, hey, um, it is um, not only necessary, it is an imperative on us if we have experienced the grace of God that we need to go and convince others that there is a God out there, there is a life 
life-changing grace extended to them through Jesus Christ. And so it is um, absolutely right and moral and honorable to do everything we possibly can to help people understand that Jesus loves them. There's this um, clip that got uh, pretty famous um, back years ago of uh, the, the magician Penn Jillette. So Penn and Teller have been a famous um, magician duo for a long time. And uh, Penn Jillette is a very avowed atheist. And so he, he's even written books on how ridiculous it is to believe in God. So he's uh, mainly known for, you know, doing sleight of hand, being a magician, uh, but he is a, a very outspoken atheist, so he'll go on talk shows and stuff and talk about how ridiculous it is to believe in God. Uh, but there was this clip that he put on his own YouTube page back, it's been quite a few years, um, but he talked about, he's just kind of talking, it's just him, like in his home, he had just done a show, and this guy after the show came up and talked to him, and um, I think he kind of knew where uh, Penn Jillette stood on matters of faith, but the guy came up and just like, hey, um, I want you to know, like, I'm not a crazy person. Um, you know, I'm a business owner. I've been successful. Kind of explained a little bit of his background. Um, but then handed him a New Testament and told him that God loved him. And so uh, Pendulette, as this atheist, was reflecting on that. And what he said is he said, I could tell in that moment that he was a good man and that he, he was very sincere in his reasoning for wanting to give me a Bible. And so this guy does not uh, believe the Bible is the word of God, thinks it's all ridiculous, the idea that there is something other than what we can, you know, put our hands on. But this is what he said. He said, I've never understood about Christians. He said, because he understands what the Bible teaches, even if it hasn't reached his heart. But he said, if, if, if you believe that everybody is destined for either, either heaven or hell, he said, how much would you have to hate me to not tell me that? And so that was his reflection as an atheist, that if Christians, if you actually believe that there is this God out there um, that loves you and um, that you need forgiveness from your sins, if you actually believe that deep down in your soul and in your heart, if you believe that to be true, how much do you have to hate someone to not want to offer that to them as well. And so that's what I see right here in God's Word, um, how important it is for us that if we have discovered life in the power of God's grace, that um, not only do we try to live moral lives so that people can see that on the outside, but what it says here, it says we persuade others, and it says we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God, because grace received should always become grace extended. And so just uh, just to make sure we're clear, um, you know, going back to our Proverbs study we did where it says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. And so that idea of fear of the Lord in the Bible means we've experienced this reverential awe that there is this um, incredible holy being that spoke everything into motion. And so we understand our place in this universe that we are a created being that gets to reflect back the glory of the creator. So it's not just this, oh, we're terrified God's going to get us. It, no, it means that I know as a person that there is this incredible, awesome God out there that I know personally, and because I know that in my heart, I want to do everybody else to persuade, everything I can do to persuade anybody I come in contact with that they can know God too. Like how much, if I truly believe what the Bible says, 
Like how much would I have to hate someone to not want them to know it as well? Grace received should always become grace extended. And that's what we see as the passage unpacks. I love that it talks about, you know, how we were once um, 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 on the outs with God. We consider Jesus uh, from a fleshly uh, manner. And so that's where we receive the grace of God in our own life. And that's what I like what it says in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is that grace received The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And so that is that grace received that we have been reconciled to God through the cross of Jesus Christ, but it doesn't end there. There is a movement, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Uh, Such an interesting word, implore. It means to beg, to plead, to maybe argue to a certain extent out of the motivation of love, but we are not supposed to be passive in this declaration. And if we have people in our lives that God has put around us, sometimes family, sometimes friends, sometimes co-workers, what God's word tells us to do is to beg with them to get right with the Lord because we know what happens in eternity and we know how precious it is to know your Savior. We want to be an extension of God's grace. And so I love that it uses the word ambassador. We are ambassadors of Christ as we go out into this world. And it conveys so many different images that relate to other parts of Scripture, how, you know, this is not our eternal home. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so that's how we are supposed to view ourselves as we walk in this world, that we are representing Christ to anyone we see. Um, My bachelor's degree is in political science, and I knew God was calling me to the ministry, but I always— You know, when maybe you think, maybe I won't do what God asked me to do. Um, Not that us pastors ever have those thoughts. Um, No, if I I had always thought like, hey, if I ever use my degree, what would be interesting? I thought a career with the State Department sound kind of interesting. And so at one point I got a, a chance they brought in an ambassador to come talk to the political science department. And so it was really interesting hearing um, from just his different State Department postings. Uh, But I I liked one of the things he said. He said, you know, as, you know, a diplomat, um, he said, you know, we do everything short of war uh, to promote America's interests abroad. And so it was like, um, everything's on the table up to this line to try to represent uh, the U.S.'s interests. And so I like that this picture here is like, that's similar to how we should behave in the world. Like we, if we know Jesus— And if we have experienced his goodness, his grace, his character, all of the things that are just uh, worthy of being praised, like my job in the world is wherever God has placed me to represent that and to promote that um, as much as I possibly can within the will of God. And so we are called to be Christ's ambassadors. And so I, I know that that can be an intimidating aspect of living for Jesus. Um, You know, um, 
more and more, you know, as surveys go out and, you know, people just respond along with, you know, maybe feeling like it's um, rude or pushy to try to convince somebody else. Also, some people, we, um, you know, just have a fear of talking to others, you know, and I know that's very common, but let me, let me hopefully give you some peace of mind uh, because I think it's really easy to um, just disqualify that people would want to hear from us or to just say no on behalf of people, like, oh, they probably don't want to hear from me. Um, the other study I was referencing on evangelism was from the perspective of people that um, are not Christians, do not identify as Christians. And so one of the things that's happening across our culture is that um, people engaging with, with religion, that number is way down, but people having an interest in spiritual matters, that number is way up. And so more and more, although people have left the church and organized gatherings, people still have all of these questions about spirituality, about, um, you know, life after death. You know, people have a lot of questions about how these things work itself out. And so as they surveyed people and asked them, like, hey, if you were going to learn about Christianity, how would you most like to be approached? Invitation to church, in a class setting, you know, how would you most like to engage spiritual topics? And the number one answer that people gave was one-on-one -on -one conversations with a Christian. And so I think so often we um, want to disqualify that anybody wants to hear what I have to say. And let me just tell you, I think that is a lie that is not from God, that is inhibiting his church from being the witness in the world he's called us to be. And so just know um, that people want the answers that you have. They might not even know that. But who does not want love, grace, forgiveness in their life and a right relationship with their creator? Even if people don't know it, they need the answers you have. And God is calling us to step into those conversations in those moments and be an ambassador for him. So how do we do that? Um, I, I want to stick a phrase in your ear that I hope just stays with you. Um, this is what we do as a church. We gather and we scatter weekly. We gather and we scatter. And so going off of last week, you know, we join together in worship, and then uh, we leave this moment, and the Spirit of the living God goes with us into the neighborhoods God has placed us, into the jobs God has placed us, into the families God has placed us, into the hobbies God has made us interested in. We gather as a church and worship the Creator, and then we scatter out into the world in the places He has put us. Um, a verse that is um, really pivotal for me is Acts 1.8. It's also right before Jesus ascends back into heaven, and he's given his last um, commission to his followers, and he says this. He says, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and all of Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so what he tells them in that moment is that when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you place your faith in Jesus and have that relationship with him for the rest of your life, you are to be a witness to what God has done for you. And he gives some geographical features. Jerusalem was their hometown. Judea and Samaria was the area around them. And then he said, to the ends of the earth. And so as Christians and as the church of Jesus Christ, that's what we want to do to complete the ministry of reconciliation God has given us. As a church, we want to focus on the community God has placed us in. 
in Arlington, Texas, maybe even specifically this zip code. We have opportunities all around us. We have schools next to us. We have neighborhoods next to us. We um, come from a, a very specific area, and so we want to be strategic in how we are um, utilizing all of the resources God has given us so that the people in our communities know about Jesus Christ. And then we also, we, we want to care about our country. Um, God, all, God has placed us here. You know, that should matter to us. You know, I've been reading through the book of Romans again, and it's, it's striking how much Paul loves his countrymen because he's at this point um, where he had gone to the Jewish people and they had rejected Jesus, and so he's going to the Gentiles. Um, but he keeps talking about how much he would just do anything for his countrymen to know about Jesus Christ. He even says, you know, I would consider myself accursed and cut off if only uh, my countrymen would put their faith in Jesus. And so we want to care about our country. We want to think of ways as a church we can reach out to the different areas of the United States. And then finally, we want to think about the world. Um, you know, the, a, a Bible verse we probably all know by heart is John 3.16. And it tells us right there, God so loved the world and if God loved it, I want my heart to love it as well. And so we want to think about all of the places uh, that don't have a church on every street corner. We want to think about the places that um, um, don't have the Bible in their own language. We want to think about the places that are so remote and so distant that nobody has ever told them that 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus died for their sins. We want to care about those things, and we continue to have the same pattern as the church. We want to gather, and then we want to scatter. And so, um, like I said, this is a part of our strategic plan, and so this is how we articulated it in the plan. Um, if you had a chance to read it this week, this is what it said. It says, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation by God, Therefore, each person is charged to take the message of Jesus into the places God has placed them with both their words and actions. God's plan is global, and we get to participate in telling the message of Jesus both in our own communities, but also to places all over the world where people do not know Jesus. And so as a church, we've been in this community for 40 years, and we have been participating in that mission, and we want to you know, like I said last week, not a lot of this is new. We just want to remind ourselves and kind of plant our flag and hopefully get our hearts beating for what God has continued to call us to. And so as a church, we have been participating in this ministry for decades. And so one of the incredible things, and I know um, some of y'all have been here, you know, through the journey of Park Springs, but some of y'all are a bit newer. Like one of the ways we do this is by sending out full-time missionaries. And so maybe you've had some experience with that. So literally right now, there are um, 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 several different couples that got, put, felt this call on their life that, hey, my life, all of it is supposed to be telling people about Jesus, a very specific call. And so one of the things we get to do as a church is support them financially and so that they can dedicate all of their time, all of their energy into getting the message out. So we get to send out missionaries. We got to do it twice in 2020, which was an incredible blessing with everything going on. And I hope you were there when we commissioned uh, those couples, one to Scotland and one to Turkey. We got to pray over them as a church and support them financially and send them out into the world. 
There's some couples that we've literally been supporting for like 30 years. Um, a lot of you know about Rod and Pam Kinch. They're with Wycliffe Bible Translators, and they've been in um, uh, the jungles of Columbia for 30 years helping a, a specific people group that, that has their unique language, helping translate the Bible into their unique language. And so that's part of the way we as a church help reach out in mission is by sending out missionaries. And so that is what we've done. That is what we will continue to do, and that's what we want to do more of. And so as, uh, as your pastors and as leaders in the church, we're praying. I, I, I pray that some of you today in this room, that God would call out for the vocation of being a full-time missionary. That he would uh, put it so heavy on your heart, the fact that there are people that don't know about Jesus, that you would have no other life choice but to surrender it all and move to some distant corner of the world and serve the Lord there. That's my prayer. And so we have sent people, and we will continue to send people, and our prayer is that we send more people out into the world. That's what we want to do, reaching out in mission. We also have a lot of opportunities in our community. I, I wouldn't be able to name all the different ways this church has loved on the community. There's a couple I want to point out, though. And, you know, not, um, not everything is walking up to somebody and be like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? You know, one of the awesome things is we just get to extend the love of Jesus by loving on people. And I hope um, it comes with the message of placing your faith in Jesus. But one of the unique things we've been stepping into as a church is really supporting families that are doing foster care. And so uh, I think probably all of us have been touched or know someone who's been touched by the fact of, of the need for adoption and our foster care system in Texas of families taking in children who need homes. And uh, that's a pretty specific calling, and it can be pretty daunting as well, but we want to grow in that as a church. So one of the things we're doing right now is just a ministry called Care Portal. And so uh, Mandy's been promoting that. And so what you can do is just get your name on a list. And as these families that are taking in foster children have needs, we can tangibly meet their needs. So you might get a call to like, hey, we're taking in, you know, an eight-year-old. Does anybody have an extra twin bed? And you can be like, hey, I've got that. You can go and support their needs. That is a way we can reach out on mission. And so we can tangibly meet needs so that people experience the love of God through what we do. But I also, you know, my, my hope and prayer for all of you, regardless of personality, regardless of how much you feel like you know that at some point in your life you take the plunge to explain the gospel to somebody. I do not think that that is a, a specific call to only a few people. I think that is a, a God-given mandate that if you have experienced Jesus, you have the ability and the call on your life to communicate that to someone else. And so I hope that begins to uh, grow in our church body, that it's not just the pastors that are supposed to talk about Jesus, it's all of us who have experienced Jesus. And so one of the ways we want to promote that as, as a church is to, hey, let's get together and let's go out and let's pick a day, let's be intentional and specific, and let's tell people about Jesus. And so we've done that the past couple of years. We had to cancel last year. One of the ways we like to do that is there's uh, this really great park right up the street from us called Stovall. And so uh, once a year, we've been setting apart time. We rent the pavilion. We cook a bunch of hot dogs. We just call it People in the Park, and we go out there to meet our community. And it is a great opportunity that, you know, if the thought of talking to somebody just, you know, if your hands are sweating right now, you know, I, I get that. 
And so let's get together. Let's embolden each other and be intentional. Like, okay, God, you know, I'm giving you this evening. I will go and do whatever you ask me to do. And it's just an opportunity uh, for us to encourage one another that, hey, there's going to be families there. There's going to be people playing basketball, volleyball. There's parents with kids. Uh, Go up to somebody with the purpose of telling them about Jesus. And so we've got that scheduled for this year. God willing, if nothing gets shut down, May 5th, uh, Cinco de Mayo, uh, it's a Wednesday. It's our last Wednesday of the semester that we do programming. And instead of being in the church, we're going to scatter out into our community. We're going to meet at the park, and we're going to meet people and tell them about the love of Jesus. That would be an excellent way. If you want to grow in aspect of your life, that would be an excellent way to take a step and just saying, hey, you know, it's not my personality. Um, it's slightly terrifying. I feel a little nauseous, but, you know, God, if you'll get me through it, I'll do it. And so that would be an opportunity because um, we do have people, in our, we, we are sharing the gospel. I believe it. I have confidence in that. So it's not something new we're going to do. It's just something we want to continue to do more because we realize how great God is and that people need to know about it. And so those are just a couple of the ways that even in our own communities, we have been able to extend the love of God. We've been able to reach out on mission. Um, And like I said, I don't have enough time to talk about the different ways that I know people in our church have been extension of God's grace in our communities. But that's one of the things we want to continue to do more and more. And um, here's why. Um, This helps bring it home for me, and so I hope it does for you. If you just do a simple, like, demographic search of Arlington, so Arlington, Texas, uh, Texas Bible Belt, you know, pretty um, an overtly religious place, I would say. On just a simple demographic search, uh, only about 53% of Arlington identifies as Christian. So that's not digging into how many people say they're Christian but maybe don't actually know what it means. Uh, Just self-identifying, only 53% of Arlington identifies as Christian, which means at a minimum, there's about 188,000 people in our city that do not know Jesus. That should give us a burden. So I want to care about our city. Another thing that really motivates me, um, if you look at the world, and I care, I care a lot about the world. It's just something God's just put in my heart. Um, and so if you, if you don't, I've, there's a lot of research when it comes to missions and missionaries, so I want to throw out some terms that maybe you have heard, maybe you haven't. I would love for you to go and Google things and, and, and find out these things for yourself. So one of the ways us as Christians we think about the world and wanting to complete the Great Commission is we're identifying strategic spots in the world uh, so that we can send missionaries to. So one of the, the terms that's used a lot in missions is an unreached people group. And so it just means that, you know, not just nations, you know, there's about 194 countries, but if you break it down into specific ethnicities marked by language and geographic region and shared customs, there's thousands of people, unique people groups that we believe God loves and cares about. And so an unreached people group would be a, a, um, a, a specific ethnic group that less than 2% of the population is Christian, and, and so they, they don't have enough of the church in their own ethnicity that they need missionaries to go in. So there's thousands of unreached people groups that um, the gospel has not taken root yet that we need to be sending missionaries to. But then there's this other category 
that not just an unreached people group, but we also break it down a little bit farther to an unreached, unengaged people group. And so what that means is not only are there not any Christians that currently, to our knowledge, nobody else is there telling them. So it's not just that there's not enough Christians, but there's also no current mission movement there. And so right now, in our world, there's about 264 million people that are in a place that don't know about Jesus, and to our knowledge, nobody's there telling them about Jesus. And that's got to bother us, guys. It bothers me. And so our prayer as a church, because we have experienced the grace of God, we want to be an extension of that grace into the whole world until all have heard that Jesus came, he lived, and he died, and three days later raised up from the dead so that we could have life with him. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end there. No, I'm not. Um, Matthew 9 is this really awesome statement from Jesus. And it's a time he's doing his ministry. It's right towards the end of the chapter. And he's been healing, and he's been preaching, and he's uh, going on his way. And he makes this statement right towards the end of the chapter. He says, when he looked around at the crowd, the people who were coming to hear from him, he says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then Jesus said this. He said, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. And to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out more workers into the harvest. And what Jesus said then is true today. There are more people that want to hear about Jesus than there are people who are being willing to tell them. And let that not be true here. I pray for all of us that we would have a willingness and a boldness to engage others about Jesus Christ. So I want to read something to you. It's a declaration I, I wrote down. I've shared before here. Um, I, want to, I want to read it, and then, if you feel led, I'm just going to invite you to stand, and then we're going to read it together. But this is what I wrote down, and it's a declaration for all of us. It says, I am a minister of the gospel. I have been created by God to proclaim his glory. I have been uniquely and purposefully placed with my family at my job, in my neighborhood, to point people to Jesus with both my words and my actions. I will reach out to help people discover life in the power of God's grace. And if that resonates with you this morning, I'm just going to invite you to stand up. Our band's going to come up. And I, I, I think it's important that we get our, our hearts and minds around the fact that it's all of us. As I said last week, this, this plan, this mission as a church, it's an invitation to participate because if your um, full expression of Christianity is just attending an event once a week, man, you are just missing out on this glorious thing called living for Jesus. And I just would invite you to take that personally, that God has gifted you and put in you something unique and special that only you have that could be the key that God uses to bring somebody to faith in Jesus. 
And so I would just say, if you believe this and you want to grow and walk in this and say yes to the things God is calling you to, would you read this with me all together? I think we have the slide of it. I could be wrong. Would you read this with me? I am a minister of the gospel. I have been created by God to proclaim his glory. I have been uniquely and purposely placed with my family at my job in my neighborhood to point people to Jesus. With both my words and my actions, I will reach out to help people discover life in the power of God's grace. And all God's people said, 